Thank you, Nina. If you have your Bibles, go to the book of Colossians, please. We're going to look at the book of Colossians this morning. Um, we are continuing our series on key words, um, wonderful words, uh, really 18 words that we have said that every Christian ought to know and every uh, Christian ought to understand. Um, a number of people have said to me this past week, well, what's the word this week? And I've told them the word mortification. And every one of them just kind of stared at me. Like, are you going to say something else about that? And what does that mean? Uh, that word really is um, found in our passage this morning. Um, uh, when it's translated in Colossians, put to death. We are to mortify our members. John chapter 17 and verse 18, Jesus said, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And from there, we see that Christ sent his disciples into the world to make a difference. And quite frankly, as we have been sent into the world, if we're going to make an impact on this world, then we must understand what it means to be rightly related to this world and that the world would not have influence or dominion over us in our hearts, thoughts, and lives. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4 says that Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. The Bible says that we are to be a light to this world. The Bible teaches us that we are to impact the world instead of the world impacting us. Our spiritual growth Joy and fruitfulness comes from the understanding of what it means to mortify our hearts and lives from sin of the world and all that it has to offer and uh, having a passion for Christ. Quite frankly, we all need to be remembered that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. As the song says, we are truly just passing through. This world is not our home. And I know that we understand the physical. I mean, we understand that, but we, by faith, are to go beyond what is physical and to understand that there is a world that is ours, that will be ours forever and ever and ever. And so often we concentrate on what we see and what we experience here on this earth. But our passage is telling us that there's more to this world, there's more to this earth than what we see and experience today. And it's more we don't understand that's for eternity than what it is that we see and understand here on this earth today. And that is our problem. Hebrews says that we have, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Philippians says that our citizenship is in heaven. Peter says in 1 Peter 2 and verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. 
I believe that the greatest war that is going on today is not a physical war, but it's a war against our souls. It's a war that rages in our heart. And our passage today addresses this very subject. As I said, the word is mortification. The word means to put to death. If you just did just a Google search on this, there's going to be one name that will pop up who addresses this word mortification. And it's a man by the name of John Owen. He was born in the 1600s. And he had a passion not only for holiness in his own life, but he had a passion for holiness in the life of other people, God's people. He wrote a book that is a free book that I would encourage you. I, I read portions of it this week and my heart was warmed. The book on mortification, one word, is over 400 pages. So I can't say everything that he said in 400 pages in the time that I have this morning. A man by the name of A.W. Pink has written a book on this one word, mortification that's right around 100 pages john macarthur has written a a, a a journal entry if i could say that that's almost 100 pages but we will take our time to say lord help us understand this word and how it relates to us in this wonderful world word that would help us to be more like you um, in 2021 Look in our text here, and I'll do my best to make sure that we understand what is being taught. But look specifically at this point in verses 5 and verse 8 and verse 9, where he addresses things that are to be mortified, things that are to be put to death. In verse 5, put to death or mortify, therefore, what is earthly in you. And what you're going to see is you're going to see a list of sins that no doubt that the church of Colossae was wrestling with. But quite frankly, as we look at the text and we look at the sins that are listed, folks, these are sins that, that Christians and non-Christians today wrestle with. This is not my list. This is God's list. These are the things that are to be put to death. He says in verse 5, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetous, which is idolatry. And really in verse number 5, folks, these sins relate specifically to sexual sins. I'm amazed at the day that we're living in when um, sexual sins um, are just taken lighthearted. I, I, I don't believe that the Bible teaches that Christians can live together. I don't believe that the Bible teaches that Christians can have one night stands. God has not lowered the bar on morality. What a day we live in where 
things are talked about in a way or just assume that it's okay and God hasn't changed his mind Hebrews says that God will judge um, those who violate these sins and if you're here today and you live um, you're single you live in a day that's very tough I understand that and I understand what society may be doing and what society accepts but folks, God is the one who is listing these. In verse 5, the word there, um, sexual immorality, is the word fornication. It's all types of sexual sin. It's not to be named among us. It's not to be anything that we are to be participating in. It's not okay with God, and it ought not to be okay with us. Impurity and passion, and, and not just the act of these things, but even the passion and the evil desire and the covetousness of, of I want. We can get into pornography, we can get into lust, we can get into all types of sexual violations, and God says no. And God has given us His Word. And he addresses Christians, and he is saying that these things ought to be put to death. They ought not to be inflamed and practiced and loved and accepted in our hearts and our lives. But we are to mortify. We are to put to death these areas, these sins. And I'm not talking about being judgmental toward anyone else. I'm not talking about anyone else other than yourself that we ought to be saying, Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. This doesn't arm us to go out and judge our co-workers. I'm not talking about my co-workers specifically, but, but your co-workers as you're out, and, and, and this free spirit of, of things that people talk about freely that just blow my mind. And we can live in a day as Christians that we think, well, maybe that's okay, and maybe, maybe, maybe things have changed, and yeah, things have changed, but God hasn't changed. We have here things that deal with sexuality. But I, I want to look at also in verses 8 and 9. Things that are to be put to death it's not only sexual sins, but he goes on in verse, verse 8, but now you must put them all away, anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Verse 9, do not lie to one another. Things that we as God's people need to mortify, to put to death, to not allow, not to tolerate, not to accept are sins of the tongue. Do we, do we understand that the things that we say are right or wrong? They either lift up or tear down. They're either pleasing or not pleasing to the Lord. And it's a host of things here. Anger and wrath and malice. A life of anger and passion, a heart of rage. How do you respond when things don't go your way. If you respond in this way, the Bible says you're to put that to death. You're to mortify these sins. You're not to open your heart and say it's okay. You're to say, no, it's wrong. 
And God, help me by your grace, and by your spirit. Slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Being careful of our speech. Well, those are the things that our texts say that we are to mortify. I really haven't gotten to the outline, and Saturday night, sometimes Friday, we'll send you our outline, and I sent you the outline yesterday. By the way, if you're not on the email list and you want the outline, make sure that we have your email address, and we'll make sure that we get that information to you. But as we look at the text and we say, these are the things that we are to put to death, we are to mortify the question that we have to ask is, Lord, how are we to do this? Is it my own wisdom? Is it my own determination? Is it my flesh where I just, I just pump myself up and I can do this? Or is there another way? And our text will help us here. I want you to see in verse number one, if you're a believer this morning your position in Christ. Your position in Christ ought to help you to mortify the sins in your life. Verse 1, if, you, if then you have been raised, or really the word is since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 1, if you are a believer, you have been raised with Christ. You are with Christ. You are united with Christ. Galatians says it this way, that I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me that we are united with Christ. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter uh, 6. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by the baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too can walk in the newness of life. And folks, the only way, the only hope that we have to live a life that's a life of victory is that we understand that we are with Christ. We have been identified in his death and his burial and key fact in his resurrection. There are times when we baptize people over here, I'll tease them and I'll say, now this morning you're going to identify with the Lord in his death and his burial. Do you also want to identify with him in his resurrection. And then they think for a moment, like, what is he saying? <laughs> well, folks, if we don't identify with Christ in his resurrection, then we're still under. But Christ wasn't still under. Christ rose from the grave, and he conquered sin, death, and hell. And when we are united with Christ, yes, we identify with his death and his burial, but there's more to come. It's the victory that we have in Christ. Because he lives, we too shall live. Because he was victorious, we too can be victorious.
Look at the passage again in, in verses 1 through 4. Um, let, me, let me read some words, and then when I stop, you, you finish what the next word is, okay? If then you have been raised with, seek the things that are above where is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with when, when who is your life appears, then you also will appear in, in, with him in glory. Do you understand, folks, that we can't do what God is saying for us to do unless we have Christ? It's not going to be dependent on your wisdom and your strength and your determination. Matter of fact, the Lord says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? And you can say, man, I just want to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, the spirit indeed is willing. The flesh is weak, but God is strong. We are united with Christ. He is our hope. And on the basis of that, verses 1 and 2 following that, if or since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. The word seek here is in the present tense, and it says keep seeking. It'd be nice to make a decision and it just lasts forever. But every day, every hour, every moment, we are to continue to seek Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are to be passionately pursuing Christ. We are to seek the Lord first and foremost. And really this text is saying here... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Do you realize as Christians that our, our minds are to be heavenly minded? Sometimes you hear, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. But folks, if you are heavenly minded, you will be earthly good. And so often we forget where Christ is and we forget eternity and we forget uh, our priorities. And our passage is saying, you remember Christ. You remember that there's better days to come. You remember the union that you have with Christ. You remember what Christ has done. You keep your mind there and not here. And we live in a day that it's easy to think about this. But folks, there's more to this. We're to be seeking that up above. The things that are above. Do you realize that the truth of heaven ought to make a difference in our lives today? Verse 2, we are, we are to set our minds on things that are above. We are to be setting our affections on things that are beyond. We are to be setting our affections on things that we can't smell and see and hear. It's beyond us. And folks, this is something, it says that we are to do something with our minds. We are to purposely 
make sure that our minds are thinking about something there and not here as a priority. I think it goes back to Romans chapter 12. That our minds are to be, to, to be transformed by the renewing, that they're to be renewed by the, by the word of God. Transformed. And what's interesting here is all of this is what we're to stay away from. We're, we're united with Christ. How are we going to do this? And, and our passage is, gives us plenty of resources. Look back at verse number one. We're to rely on the resources that God has given us. The Bible says in verse one, where Christ is seated, where Christ is, he's at the right hand of God. He's in a place of victory. He's not in a place of defeat. He's not in the grave. He lives. He's not dead. And we can rely as followers of Christ on his strength and his power because we're united with him. We're um, in union with him. Time and time again, Christ told his accusers at his trial, he says, hereafter, you shall see the Son of Man sit on the right hand of, of the power of God. Peter told the people at Pentecost, therefore being at the right hand of God exalted. Peter also in Acts chapter 5, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. Stephen said as he was martyred, I see the heavens open in the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Do you understand, folks, as we go through battling the sins of this world, that we have a Savior that's at the right hand of God, willing to help us, to offer His power? We have Christ as a resource to help us. I love what Peter says in 2 Peter. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, that we have everything that we need through Christ in life and godliness right now, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature." that since Christ is in us, we have the hope of glory. That, that because Christ is in us, that we can say no to sin. And if we didn't have Christ in us, folks, we would be dominated and dead because of our sin. But because of Christ, we have all that we need. The second resource, it's not in this particular text, it's outside of this text, but it's a, another passage that men, mentions the word mortify, and that's in Romans chapter 8. It says, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the Spirit, you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. And just mark it down, folks. There's nothing in our flesh that will give us victory over sin. But when we yield to the Spirit of God, when we, when we ask the Holy Spirit... To live through us, he will produce holiness in us. And we have the spirits um, residing in us to help us to be holy. 
Again, Romans 8, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. You want to just rely on everything that you have and everything that you are all by your flesh, you're going to die. You rely on the Spirit of God, Romans 8 and verse 13. If you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. It's not through legalism. It's not through human effort. It's by the Spirit that we say no to this world. And God has given us His Spirit. Verse 3 of our passage says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That is going back to the union that we have in Christ, that we have the divine nature in us. This phrase that you have died is, is in the past, what Christ has done. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's our old life. That's the old person. But in Christ, there's the new person. There's the new man. That's created after the righteousness of Christ. The end of verse number 3 states that our life is hidden with Christ. Look at verse number four of our text. When, when we see a verse like this, I, I know what most of us think about. And I, I want to help you see something from a different angle, perhaps. I have no doubt that the Lord's going to come back and every knee will bow, as it says in Romans 14 and verse 11. But the truth that is taught here in this passage, folks, is something that offers us hope. It's not a time of judgment that we're talking about here. But, but he says in verse uh, 4, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. That when Christ comes back, we will be with Him. The victorious Christ coming back in all His, his splendor as God's people, we will be with Him. And what a day that will be. A time of triumph, a time of victory. And it's not something that's just later that Christ can do something later. Christ has done something now. And Christ can do something in our hearts today as we address and wrestle and deal with sins of, of 2021. second truth I want you to see this morning is our privileges in Christ. Living, living the risen life means that we put sin to death. We mortify the deeds of the flesh. And what you find out here is that the old life is destroyed. Um, this past week I was looking at a little clip about uh, Tom Sawyer. It's Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn, right? Remember the story where I think they, they thought they, they drowned and then they, there's, a, there's a, uh, a funeral going on and it's really Tom and Huck's funeral that they actually come to and they hear the preacher say all the things they say about him. He really wasn't as bad as, as we might have thought, he says. And then there's Tom and Huck in the back. They're alive. You know, it might do us well 
to realize that we've had our own funeral, that we've been dead to sin. I, I've given you a number of illustrations um, with this. Um, I, I think about the one with the, the landlord. Let's say that you were uh, renting an apartment, renting a house. Every Monday night, the first Monday night of the month, someone comes, your landlord comes, knocks on your door, and he wants you to pay up. And he does this month after month and year after year. Every Monday night, the first Monday night of the month, he comes and he knocks on your door and he says, pay up. But folks, if the building is put up for sale and you see the for sale sign and you know that there's a new landlord that has purchased the building where you're living and you meet the landlord and he introduces himself and maybe he shows you the paperwork that he's your new landlord the next time your old landlord shows up on a Monday night and knocks on the door and says pay up he's no longer the owner of that building he has no authority over you you don't have to pay up you say no you're not my master any longer I don't have to listen to you. I'm not underneath your authority anymore because I serve a risen Savior. Someone said that the greatest, two greatest problems of every preacher is to, to convince the unsaved people that they're under the power of sin and to convince God's people that they're not under the power of sin. We don't have to pay up. We can mortify the members of our body. We can say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. I think this text also tells us that this is a battle. It's a process. It's progressive sanctification. It's not that we make a decision and we never battle with sin. We will always battle with sin. But we must say yes to the Lord. I, I love what Richard Baxter said. And, and this, this, this really gets to the heart of what we're talking about here. Richard Baxter says, Use sin as it will use you. Spare it not, for it will not spare you. It is your murderer and the murderer of the world. Use it, therefore, as a murderer should be used. Kill it before it kills you. And though it shall bring you to the grave as it did your head, it shall not keep you there. John Owen, in his book, he says it very succinctly. He says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And when you leave here today, what is your attitude toward sin? We need to flee from sin. We need to run from sin. We don't play with sin. We're not open to sin. We hate sin. We hate the consequences of sin. We don't want sin in our hearts and our lives. We are to mortify the sins of this world. We're to say no. We're to reckon ourselves to be dead. And then I want you to see in closing here, look in verses 7 and verse number 10. Boy, oh boy, please don't forget verse 7. In the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. 
don't forget the old life. Don't forget. Don't, don't get so um, high and mighty that you're against sin that you don't forget what you used to do. I've shared with you in the past that the guy that witnessed to me for about the gospel, he witnessed to me for about a year. And he just kept witnessing to me and kept sharing Christ and kept living Christ. And it, and it took over a year. And there are some times when I talk to people about the Lord that we want to see an instant decision. Do you know that, that God is very patient with all of us? God is very gracious. And even in our own spiritual lives, our own walk with God, we haven't all arrived. We are all being conformed to the image of Christ as we submit to the Spirit of God and the Word of God to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Don't forget the life that you once lived, but it's not the life you're to live now. It's not where you are. Christ has done something new and, and changed us. Look at verse 10. And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. See, our life is not like the old world. Our life is not like the old man. Our life is like Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ living through us. The Spirit of God, the power of God. The union with Christ. That we can say no to sin. And whatever that sin is, whether it's the sins that are mentioned in this particular passage or other sins that are not mentioned, you can say no. You can put to death. In 1519, Cortez landed in Mexico to begin his conquest. He unloaded 650 men and all the, all the contents of those ships. And then what he did is he set fire to those 11 ships because he was saying, men, there's no turning back. The battle is before us. And as God's people, we are in this world. We are in Christ. There's no turning back. And by the grace of God, we are to mortify the deeds of the flesh and live for God's glory by his power. Let's pray. So our heads are bowed and the eyes are closed. Where are you in your attitude and outlook towards sin? Are we saying yes to sin? Are we open to sin? Are we playing with sin? Or do we hate and despise sin? My brothers and sisters, I, I trust that we will never make light of sin. I pray that we'll never scoff at sinners in the sense where we are like the Pharisees of old. But that we would have a true understanding of what sin can do and what sin will do if we follow sin. But may we rejoice in our union with Christ, that Christ has done a work in us, that we don't have to say yes to sin. And we can live a life of victory by God's power and God's spirit. Our Father, I pray that you would help us to live such a life that we will mortify the deeds 
of the flesh, those things that we are to say no to, that we are to reckon them to be dead. And by faith, we say yes to you, and we allow the Spirit of God to live through us for your glory. We pray in your name. Amen.